We continue on page 151. Let us rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in His mercy has given His Son to die for you, and for His sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by His authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue with the intro to our worship insert. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. 
Let us pray together. O God, whose glory it is to always have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday of Lent is from Ezekiel chapter 33. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear the word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity. But that his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will be delivered your soul. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back for your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, the son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. As, and as for the wicked of the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he, warn, if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back to what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him, and he has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. 
Yet you people say the way of the Lord is not just, when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous returns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by them. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. chapter 10. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as many of them did, 
and the 23,000 fell in sin a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them. As an example, they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fail. No temptation is over, has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. 
A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. And if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and at this time we'd like to invite the children. Text for today's sermon is our epistle lesson, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, and we hear these words again from Paul. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Never Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. This is our text. We may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The title for today's sermon is bowing down to the false gods of our time. Throughout this week, there's been a lot of time and thought, and I honestly say this, wrestling with these words, and certainly what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. All the scriptures are important. I want to preface my next statement by saying this. I really like 1 Corinthians a lot. Especially as it deals with relationships in congregations and the relationship of a pastor to a congregation and the relationship of a congregation to the community and the world in which it exists. 1 Corinthians is great because that church at Corinth had so many outside struggles going on and Paul knew exactly what they were and that they were being challenged constantly. They had a Greek and a Roman Empire that were kind of melded together on the outside. 
There were false gods everywhere. Temples all around. And when they, this little church in Corinth, when the people there would leave, they would be inundated with temptations to go in different directions. All over the place. And Paul says, be careful. Some of you have gone astray. Some of you have fallen asleep, he'll write in chapter 11. And some of you have gone so far off the beam that you are considered dead. Others, on the other hand, you know, you just might not even realize how far off the beam you really are. We have today been influenced greatly by pietism. That's a word you might not be familiar with. You might have heard it at one point in time. But pietism is ugly. And I will say this also as in preparation here, and it's still part of the introduction to the sermon, that, that we speak about it, we use this word pietism, and this would probably be one of the first times that I've used it exclusively in a sermon and worked diligently to identify a definition for it. But probably the best way to understand pietism is saying, I'm okay, look at what I do for God. Look at the holy life that I lead. And look how well-behaved I am. Look at how good I do God's work. Let me give you an example of pietism. We're Lutherans. That's a statement. And we can all probably, for the most part, affirm that. We're Lutherans. And there is a beverage that Lutherans will speak about on regular occasion. And if we look at the word beverage, you note that there's a B and there's an E and then there's a little V and then there's another big E and another big R. Are you with me? Good. And in that beverage, and I use it this way because I know that these sermons go out over the air, so I want to be careful. Sometimes people will say, you know, it's not good to indulge in that. To have one. Because drinking is bad. That statement in and of itself is pietism. But that's not the issue here. It was in a conversation that I had in a previous church as I was sitting with a couple of people and they came in and they said, we understand that after the last elders meeting, you and the elders went down to one of our local establishments and had a couple beverages. And I said, yes. And it was a sports bar. And they said, you know, the pastor should not be doing that. That is inappropriate behavior for a pastor. And besides that, 
why are you doing that with your elders? That is inappropriate. Because that's not where your elders should be going after a meeting. And I said, let me see if I understand this correctly. What, what you're saying here is that after we've had a meeting for a couple of hours, we wrestled through some church stuff, it's not healthy for us to go down to... It was Chicago Bar and Grill, I think was the name of the place, and have a couple and enjoy a burger and some other appetizers. And in my head I'm thinking, you know, those appetizers were probably worse off for me than the, the two lights that I was having. And I said, yet at the LWML Christmas banquet, we went to one of our restaurants here, and I came in, and they said, what would you like to eat? I'm in my collar, and I say, I'll take an iced tea. And the chairperson for the LWML goes, Pastor, you can have something a little stronger if you want. And I said, and so I ordered something stronger, and you paid for that out of the LWML funds. And that was okay. And she replies, I'm writing this down here, I have this here. Yes, Pastor, because that was a restaurant with a bar. And where the elders went, that was a bar with a restaurant. Yeah, what? Pietism. Justification. Rationalization. At that particular point, because it was more than just me in this conversation, my one elder got up and left. And he says, I'm going to the restaurant. Deceitfulness and righteousness kill us. So destructive. And Paul sees this here at the church of Corinth and everything that is around them and these, these beliefs that they've engaged in that are so destructive. And it wasn't about drinking. As a matter of fact, they had real drinking issues because as you learn in chapter 11, when they would come and celebrate the sacrament of the altar, some of them would leave drunk. That's despicable. And he calls them out on that. As a matter of fact, he says, it's not even the Lord's Supper you celebrate anymore. This is a man-made supper. This is your supper that you've developed here. And so, Paul has to deal with not only pietism and this self-righteousness and this look at me at how good I am and everything that I've done and that my sins are not as significant as your sins. And that's where Jesus gets at them when he starts speaking about the Galileans and what Pilate did and he's mixing the blood and they were being held in contempt because they were forced to participate in that relationship. And he says, do you think they're worse off than you? Shame on you. Your sins convict you, and they kill you. And the pride and the arrogance lead you to a point to justify your own behaviors and yet ridicule others and tell them that they're not worthy. We have false gods of our time, and that we bow down. What about pleasure and comfort? 
What about those very explicit things that Paul identifies over and over and over again in his epistles? Sexual immorality, thievery, murder, lustfulness, desires of the heart. The list is huge. And yet somehow or some way we can justify our behavior and say, I'm okay, I'm not really doing anything wrong here. And we'll even do that with God's Word. And we'll say things like, you know, well, God's Word is really relevant for their time. You know, things have changed a little bit. And we still hear those arguments today. And even worse than that is when we, we take away from God's Word by saying, it's just a merely a set of guidelines. Is it really inspired? And we are attacked. And God's Word is under attack. And that old Adam in us and that sinful nature begin to rationalize and justify our behavior and say, I'm okay. Parents do the same. They'll shrug off the responsibility to their parents, to their children. And they'll say, well, it's, it's, just, the, it's just the era in which we live. Things have changed. And children will throw out that fourth commandment of honor thy father and mother. You're just a bunch of old fuddy-duds who don't understand the ways of the world today. Truth becomes subjective. It's about me. It's about what I think. It's about what I believe to be truth. God's Word, yeah, you know, some of it's good for reading, but in reality... It works well with other religions and other faith systems that are out there. There's lots of false gods, isn't there? They're everywhere. Paul reminds the people what happened with them. And he draws them back to the Old Testament. And he alludes to that golden calf apostasy. And he takes it up one notch. You know, we always think of the golden calf, golden calf apostasy as, as that time, you know, when, when Aaron asked for some gold and jewels and Moses returns, he says, well, you know, I threw it in the fire and voila, here comes this golden calf and what are we supposed to do but bow down and worship up here, Moses? But it's really much more than that. Because along with the golden calf came sexual immorality and the pleasures of the flesh that they reveled in. And what does Moses do, or what does God have Moses do, is grind the calf up and make them eat it. If this is your God, eat it. And they died. 23,000 of them. The consumption that God brought them no health, it brought them life, it only brought them death. That was what that God brought to them. The false God will only bring death and destruction. There really is no life. It's a false understanding. It's a false God. But what does our God do? Our God is the God of life. Our God is the God of truth and mercy and love. 
our God gives to us His Son, Jesus Christ, as the sacrifice. And He sheds His blood for you. Our God calls you and our God marks you and washes you in the waters of baptism. And He says, you are mine. And He connects you to Himself. He connects you to the cross. And He connects you to the resurrection. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and following. And that we cling to the promises of our baptism and we cling to the truth of what God has given to us. And then He takes us and He draws us right to a communion rail. And He says, take and eat. Take and drink. And He feeds us with His body and blood. And He nurtures us. And He strengthens us. And He places in our ear the words of the Scripture. And the comfort of the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. He gives to you that certain hope and peace that as you walk out of this building today, as you walk out of the church and out of this sanctuary, and you walk into a world filled with false gods and temptations and trials and tribulations and uncertainties and ambiguities where subjective truth runs rampant and wild, He promises you I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you alone. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be temptations for you to say, look at me and, and that your chest will be puffed up. But I will give you words of humility and humbleness. I will give you words of wisdom and forgiveness and confession. I will give you words to share with one another about the mercies that I have poured out upon you. That it doesn't come to be about us, but it's about Jesus Christ and all that He has done for you. The message that Paul brought to the church of Corinth. You're tempted. You're tempted to lead lives that are not God-pleasing. You're tempted to throw away and abandon all that I have given to you. But God isn't going to forsake you. He's not going to hang you out there. He's going to lift you up and sustain you and place upon your heart and upon your mind and upon your mouth His desires and His wills in comfort and peace and joy. That's our God who has washed us, who has fed us, and who has renewed us in Him. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us rise. We confess our faith by words of the Nicene Creed. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We continue with the prayers of the church. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, each according to their needs. Father of all mercies, you alone are the one who gives to us comfort and peace throughout our days. You lift us up and sustain us each and every moment in our lives, giving to us all that we need. We ask, Lord, that you be with those who are unable to attend church this morning, and we pray especially for our shut-ins. Elizabeth Welp, June Jensen, Harry Eckberg, Robert Parasat, Lillian Peters, Bonnie Davison, Bonnie Canise, and Vi Wall. Lay your hand upon each of these people, your servants, giving them comfort throughout the day and strengthening their faith at the foot of your cross. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty Father, you are the physician, and, and the physician that brings healing and comfort to all your people who are struggling with ailments and, and various circumstances. We ask, Lord, that you be with Barb Fisher, who is recovering from complications from respiratory struggles. Place upon her your hand of healing and, to give, and continue to give her strength. Be also with Gary Adler, the father of Brent Adler, who is wrestling with various, various illnesses, giving to him strength and comfort and peace. Bestow upon him healing and strengthen his faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty Father, you are the one who brings healing to your people, and we rejoice and give thanks when we see your hand of healing placed upon your servants. We give thanks for the healing that you've placed upon Joe as he has as he is recovering from a stroke, and also upon Bill as he's recovering from a fall. Lift both of them up and continue to give to them strength and healing each and every day, keeping their eyes focused on you and on the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, 
You are the one who watches over your people in all places and in all circumstances. We implore you, Lord, that you watch over those who serve in the armed forces of our country. And we pray especially for Jordan Stober, who is serving in the Air Force. Send your guardian angels to watch over and protect him. Allow no harm to come his way. Lift him up and sustain him that he may continue to serve faithfully and boldly in the vocation that you have entrusted to him. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lay all of these prayers before you, plus those which are upon our heart, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. You may be seated as the offerings are gathered. us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you, and in fervent love toward one another, through Jesus Christ your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. You may be seated for the closing hymn.